names. The name's Hulk. Nido Hulk. Nido. What? Nido. Nido Hog. Nideo Hog. Nideo. Nideo game. It's this is the Idle Thumbs Conf Grenade for GDC 2011, 25th anniversary edition, to the final chapter, probably. Oh, I'm Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. I'm Sean Bannerman. And I am James Spafford. And we are joined <laughs> by Jumping Nick the line. Brecken. We're joined by Nick Brecken, who is Nid Brecken. Nid Brecken. Brecken. <laughs> Yeah. Hi. Hi, guys. So, hey, Spaff. Yes, this is actually Spaff, who three of you may have heard on the Idle Thumbs UK <laughs> podcast back in 2008. <laughs> hey, Merrick. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, like like three quarters of the people who show up on this show who you don't recognize, Spaff was uh, one of the guys who started Idle Thumbs back in 2004, uh, and now he's here. I'm here. Yeah. I heard video games. Yes. How was your GDC? Um, it was pretty good. It was tiring as hell, though. Yeah. I wanted to sleep. Did you do any throughout. of the sleeping? Did you go to the sleeping panel? <laughs> <laughs> that was that's that's the, generally, the sleeping panel is generally one where you must wear a headset and have Japanese turn into broken English yeah. at 9.30 in the morning. That's generally... Like, that did they carry out yeah, the tradition this year? Sleeping. Of, of, of one of the translators <laughs> being oh. fantastic and one of them being completely questionable? That's a GDC <laughs> tradition. <laughs> There's no questions. There's the sleeping panel was definitely the really experimental cool. gameplay session when yeah, we were that, both yes. going to die. That was sad, because that's usually one of the highlights of my GDC. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. And this year, it started off really awesome with that with the recursive 3D world where you can place a key into yeah, the model amazing. city of the level that you're in, and then a giant key falls from space, and you use it as a bridge. Yeah, Like, you can keep going into smaller versions of the level you're already in. And things you do in any of the levels affect all the other like recursively different sized yeah, ones. There was it's really that, awesome. And then what was Jason Rohr? Jason Rohr showed the... his new game. Uh, what is it? Uh, inside Bonita, of Starfield Star Sky, Sky? Yeah. which is already it's actually already available from, uh, and you can pay whatever you want on his website. Um, but uh, that's also recursive. So you, it's a you know sort of top down shooter in the style of Bullet Hell's, but not actually like that. Uh, where you go inside enemies and power-ups. Yeah, and... like every every enemy is a level, so if you go yeah. inside of an enemy, you can fuck up their inner workings and then I beat it and pop back out. I didn't get how you went inside an enemy, because I got that, like, when you die, you go in, inside like, yourself. you zoom, yeah, inside yeah, yourself. Yeah, it was, it was weird. Out, but I didn't work out how you could go inside the power-ups. I think I was nodding off it. Bo- both of those already. spatially recursive games were really cool, Yeah, and a lot of the other stuff was either confusing or poorly mic'd or was buffered <laughs> by a lot of really introductions. Cool. Yeah, it, it, was, it just it was hard to understand what was going on. Yeah. So people who are listening to this will have no idea what we're talking about <laughs> other than Spaff, you fell asleep during part of it. Well, I was tired, <laughs> but then there was that one game about meditation in which a spiral of doom was just spinning around the screen <laughs> yeah. and you had to control another bar within the spiral without it hitting the spiral. Whilst chanting a, so you, a mantra, you went into <laughs> that point. Was just, yeah, you yeah. went into a meditative state during the meditation simulator and <laughs> fell asleep. Well, because I don't know, some people were poorly mic'd, so that guy was kind of just mumbling some yeah. stuff, and then he would just start chanting a mantra. Yeah, he actually. Whatever, and then I was just like, "Oh my god, coffee so bad." I did. I successfully snuck off for coffee. Yeah, and I was Chris, I want a coffee. <laughs> I didn't get you one, you bitch. Oh, fuck you. 
There was that one game about a brain that made no sense. Yeah. Cool. We can probably leave that one at that. <laughs> there, was, there was a game about a brain that none of us understood. Yeah. Because we don't have brains. They were just sleepy. I'm trying to think of what else we saw at GDC of note, but it's been a couple days and I've slept. I went to see the failed game concepts thing. Um, Did anyone else here see that? Oh, no, um, I, didn't, I didn't see that one. I didn't see it, but uh, Keenan went from Telltale, the programmer, and he said it was good. Cool. It was interesting. Yeah. It was a mix of like, some of them, because it was meant to be like concepts of games that were like dumped. But some of them were like, oh, it's a game we made badly and actually released, which is kind mm-hmm. of oh, wow. missed the defeating so, point. <laughs> so there's a released failure as well. What were some of the release failures that they uh, called what out? Was it the, what was that one? Glenn will know. He's over there. It's the guy from Star Dock, was it? Brad Wardell. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. they talk about Elemental? Perhaps. It was, that, <laughs> it was, that was the worst presentation of all things. He but failed this, from Classic This is Slider. a great recounting of a failed However, presentation. However, the good ones. <laughs> the failed presentation that, on the failed presentation. That whole, it was similar to the experiment of the game presentation where it started really good and then just went, eh. Yeah, it failed. It was like a long Every This thought. is the meta-est thing ever. Every level of this is it's about failed So what was some good failed, stuff from that? You are failing right now. <laughs> well, the 2D boy uh, guys were there and they showed... Um, their next game they were going to make which involved robots destroying a city and how they were going to build up from that and the cool thing about that was their concept was that robots walked along and destroyed cities and shot buildings and trampled people and uh, the idea was that once you destroyed a city then the humans would somehow rebuild the city and the next level would be their rebuilt city but the first city in the game you destroyed it by uh, destroying a giant tower filled with milk that drowned the entire earth in milk um, <laughs> and so the humans came back from that by building a ginormous city-wide barge that floated around the earth. So you destroy that one, and because it's a boat, and everyone's learned from the Titanic that when boats sink, they go vertical, it kind of half sank and became like a thing sticking out of the earth. Yeah. And then so the humans built a city on top of that, so it's like a giant (laughs) tea thing sticking out of the milk. And then you destroyed that. It was like Jesus. carrying on. Another thing about things. this sounds like a failure to me. Oh, but then they also decided that game would be a musical. This gets better and better. I don't understand. But so they like, like talked about how good this thing was, but then they went back and they were like actually playing it was really boring. So uh, they like took away all that amazing like art and all that amazing cool crap, and then just turned everything into just squares that uh-huh. did stuff and shot things. And, and basically, it was a thing that, that played itself, and yeah. it was really boring. Yeah. So they were like. Fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it's obviously completely different, but just um, when you were talking about the uh, city, the uh, rebuilding itself, all that stuff, that reminded me of uh, Will Wright's talk about Red on Bungling Bay, yeah, <laughs> which, like, it was Will Wright's first game, and it and it was it was a top down shooter where you run around and you have to blow up factories and defeat this this empire, but. The bungling empire. The bungling empire. <laughs> which apparently was a recurring, like, a recurring foe in Broderbund. The, the, the Broderbund universe. It was yeah. Load Runner. Load Runner apparently exists in the same continuity as fucking I don't remember the other one. Bungling but Bay. it was Load Runner, Raid on Bungling Bay, and another one all like Thunder Strike or share the like same that. universe. Yeah, they all, all, the them, they all oppose the bungling empire. Well, yeah. which, but anyways, yeah. so they, the Raid on Bungling Bay, like in many ways it's just a very conventional kind of game where you just pilot a helicopter around and bomb stuff on the ground. Uh, except that, because well, the, the enemies are secretly like, running SimCity. Yeah, yeah the I was actual, just going to say, you're playing against factor, SimCity. Like, all of the stuff on the ground is running this elaborate like manufacturing and supply chain where the factories are supplying things and there's 
there's like uh, trade routes in the sea. Yeah, like and the, the boats, the boats find resources in the breaks. oceans. Yeah, yeah, deliver it to tanks who deliver it to factories who then have a build chain for how to yeah. restore their empire if you destroy it. And I love the what? idea that even yeah. when Will Wright was making his very first it's game, the, it was just like, oh yeah, I'm going to build this, this place you destroy. And if, you know... This is they build the stuff that attacks you, and then they build this carrier that takes a long time, and it goes out to sea. And like, there's just this whole crazy procedural thing underlying just the faceless, weird, bungling enemies. For, for people's fight. reference, this Will Wright's talk at GDC was was a postmortem of Bungling Bay. Which is, yeah. <laughs> you never really know with that guy. He'll no, just say it's going to be. Well, yeah, he said. I mean, only half guy. of it was yeah. actually. Yeah, only half of it was right on Bungling <laughs> yeah, Bay. He, the other half was a extensive history of the Russian cosmonaut. Which he frequently um, delves into. Yeah, his talks when he gets when he gets to the midpoint just plops into the Soviet space minute, which yeah. this year was Russian really good. It's tough no, Russian space when minute. you're telling somebody who doesn't know who Will Wright really is or doesn't really know what he's about. Like they know he makes SimCity, but it, it's this it sounds like he's just like an old and like like your old grandpa who will just talk about anything and be really boring. But, <laughs> but he's, he's the most dynamic. No, he's super. Speaker. Yeah, he's incredibly dynamic. Yeah, and he never cogent and he's not really speaking about what you expect him to be doing no. I'm not really sure how he is used by you know you, you go to a spe- uh, talk about Spore or something and yeah you're using him to sell a game but it's nothing to do with the game whatsoever yeah. like no one else would be able to get away with that yeah no you have to be incredibly smart and well right you have to actually have <laughs> interesting things to say which a lot of people don't yeah. <laughs> I love that the Q&A also just turned into questions about the cosmonaut stuff as well yeah, yeah, that was yeah. Good. wait can you go back to so wait a second <laughs> Yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah, during the Q&A, someone asked Will Wright to talk about the, the failure of the the rocketry, rocketry systems that Russia was using to try and get a man to the moon. And then he was like, oh, well, since you bring that up, <laughs> 10 minutes of just like, what? Why is Will Wright lecturing everyone on the defects of Soviet rocketry? Good, good time. And everyone's also, just lapping it up, though. Yeah, it was, also, he represented himself visually in all of his slides as Nicholas Cage. <laughs> oh, yeah, he, was, he said that uh, a fire in 1991 fire, burned, yeah. burned up all of his archives when it took out the hills in Arendo or wherever that was, so... He had no pictures of himself as a kid. But even when it got to the modern times in his talk, yeah. he was still Nicholas Cage. Nick Cage. <laughs> so it was good yeah. that kind of just, yeah, there was one or two, and you're like, ha, ha, Nick Cage. But they just kept going yeah. and going and going. Yeah. I love Nick Cage. A quality guy. <laughs> I love Will Wright. Right. Yeah. The game, the game was funny because I'd never seen it being played before, and I'd never seen a YouTube clip of it. But, like, you don't really expect, like, an action game from Will Wright. But then no, the yeah. guy's flying that helicopter and it, Copter around and it's making classic like pew pew noises and blowing stuff up. You're like, what? Well, then there's this whole <laughs> community of people online who do speed runs for this game and people who remake it in 3D and with all these different art styles. What? I've never even. I mean, I've, I've certainly heard of the game, but I, I I've never hadn't. played it. Uh, oh, the, the one thing of that talk that, that is kind of common knowledge at this point, but is super interesting, is that the, that the dynamic enemy system of that game, he built oh, himself yeah. a limited graphical editor to build all the scenarios for it, and then after the game shipped. He kept fucking with it, and kept fucking with it, and kept adding more and more stuff, and then accidentally, <laughs> accidentally, <City>. slowly to <laughs> deliberately turned the the bungling empire into SimCity. Yeah. So that's yeah, weird. Way to go, smart and, guy. And good. Yeah. Uh, also, that's it, there was very very there was a really interesting undercurrent in the postmortems at GC. I thought, which was this notion of sort of. Finding the games that these guys were made, like the GDC had a series of classic postmortems for games that, except for Bejeweled, were all pretty much twenty years old or or, or even older, uh, as far as I yep. can recall. And yeah. um, there was a really interesting undercurrent of of sort of a lot of the people who made these games not entirely knowing what what they were even trying. Like, what to are make some of the ones that you guys saw? Uh, so I saw Will Wright on Bungling Bay, Eric Chahi on Another World. 
Peter Molyneux on Populous and Ron Gilbert on Maniac Mansion and all, all and then of those. And you saw Pac-Man Pac guy. guy speaking about Pac-Man. Oh yeah, so I didn't see that one. But the, the ones I saw all had that element to them. Some of them <laughs> more than others. <laughs> and Populous was by far the most extreme in that direction where uh, Peter Molyneux was, was making this this game and it was it was just this game that it really wasn't anything like what Populous became. And oh, hey! I returned oh, to the <laughs> Even in a toy from We're back City. at Chris's apartment. Yeah, we're not, but False. we could be. Um, and Will Wright, was, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Peter Molyneux was a, very much a novice programmer who didn't know what he was doing, and he didn't know he didn't know anything about making pathfinding algorithms or anything like that. And so he, could, he, he spent a couple days trying to get the little guy to, to be smart enough to walk around the world the right way, and he just couldn't do it, and he was really frustrating. Frustrated, so he he made a little tweak in the editor so that he could raise and lower the ground. Right, so to that build the guy started, yeah, so if the guy wasn't going the right way, he could just put walls in front of him or raise the ground in front of him, and the guy would go around it. Uh, and then he realized that was actually way more fun than the game he was trying to make. So the game actually became, you know, what eventually was known as a god game, where you terraform uh, this whole landscape and create a like your army of every like peasants that you know eventually rise up in the nights and then go kill the other guy. And that all came because he just didn't know what he was doing. Uh, and like needed to basically bullshit around this programming deficiency he had. So like all god games or sim games basically were accidental. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Populous and SimCity showed up because right. people were being distracted by some other thing and then accidentally yeah. created a... It's awesome. I think that's really fascinating. That I mean, you know, genres were so... A lot of genres we have now either barely existed then or, or didn't exist at all and a lot of them entirely arose out of you know complete uh, I don't know luck it, I suppose it's not literally entirely related to that but that is a, a thing that Ron Gilbert kind of talked about during yeah. the Maniac Mansion yeah, as well of just we weren't trying to make a scum game that's just the game that we ended up we're, we're making. trying to make like a point and click adventure yeah but I mean just a ga yeah, the mean, game yeah the game I mean you say scum I, sc sorry the, they weren't trying to make the point and click adventure game style that everyone like across the entirety of Europe has been sort of vamping on for a billion years. Uh, they were just making the game that they wanted to make and built the tool to make that, and then that ended up yeah standardizing the adventure game basically. Yeah, yeah that stuff is really interesting. Even Eric Chahi, like I, I was fascinated by the fact that when he was making Another World, by the he he actually made the game in sequence, and that it was a like a story based game, but he didn't have the story planned out at all, and so. By the time he finished making this, that really cool, elaborate, like hand-animated uh, intro sequence, he didn't even know what was going to happen after it. He's like, and then I made the protagonist disappear, and then I had to decide where he was going to disappear to. And it's like, what? Like, none of it, he just was like making the whole thing up as he went along. The fact that the game was about this uh, sort of autonomous uh, sidekick character who hangs around with you, like, that wasn't in the spec at all originally. Um, all that stuff just came out of his brain on the fly. Ridiculous. I also like that he said that he kind of nearly spoilers killed uh, Lester Chaikin at the end because that was basically what he felt like at the end of the project. Just like absolutely <laughs> dead. <laughs> There's that scene, yeah, where just Lester is crawling along the ground with no energy left at all. And he was, yeah, completely beat, beat out. That's always awesome. I also like the story about his developer relations, though, where the, <laughs> yes. the, the port to the SNES and the, and the Mega Drive Genesis. Uh, versions they wanted to change the intro music and he got really angry at them 
and had an argument which eventually uh, ended in him sending an infinite fax bomb or whatever. <laughs> That's where you tape the paper to itself and just keep it rolling through the fax machine. For yeah, and send it at four in the morning so that it keeps going until when you come into the office. The, the whole office, office full of papers saying, don't change the intro music. <laughs> yeah. Cool. It didn't Eric. work. <laughs> yeah, just bring in the class. Although, like, normal, just we, we, we were talking to him, though, the other day, or yesterday, I guess, uh, because that happened weirdly. We ended up talking to Eric Chai for a day. But uh, he said that at GDC he met the composer from Interplay who was just like Oh really? Yeah, who was oh, like I, I guess you didn't like the music and you're still sort of sore about it <laughs> Sorry about that I'm sorry that I changed your music <laughs> Hilarious God I totally missed that conversation Yeah That's the best That's kind of hilarious The game's coming to the iPad? Yes And that game is coming to the iPad We played that Neato Shh yeah. <laughs> well, it was That's good. Fine. He yeah. showed it at his. Yeah, college, it was still yeah. a prototype. But yeah. we got to play it. <laughs> <laughs> it's that cool game. that he was experimenting with. Well, I guess we can announce that like a touch version. <laughs> he was trying to play with that. Announce. Yeah, announced for him. Well, he was playing with that. Yeah, I don't know if he'll get it to work. But also, speaking of uh, designers still doing cool stuff, uh, Molyneux, who definitely has a very public image as sort of one of those extremely like high level kind of very director-type figures in the games industry, apparently is hand-coding a 256-player version of Populous <laughs> that he, like, busted out during his talk and debugged, like, in real time when it crashed. Uh, Did he actually get rad. it running? Yeah, he yeah, got it running. He realized yeah. later that he had he had done a compiled version right before the show, so he could, just, he could run it out of Virtual Studio, or Visual Studio, without... Uh, Setup. Without recompiling. <laughs> but that was good. At the Q&A, someone came up right at the beginning and said... Uh, hi, do 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 from Electronic Arts. I would love to see the multiplayer populace you're working on. And he's like, "Oh, you want me to load up populace now? Not now, please." <laughs> and then he, no, 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 no. And then no, he's no, like, no. "Oh no, but we'll just do that." And then he loaded it up, and it was it was amusing to see that Molyneux. Is that something he's actually going to release, or is it just something? I don't. I don't, I don't he doesn't have the rights to it. I think that it's just he's. Oh really? Yeah. EA owns populace. Oh, because of bullfrog yep. acquisitions yeah. and. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, EA are in there straight yep. away. There. I'm going to beat him up. <laughs> yeah e- what EA loves is when people who work with their IP announce crazy projects at uh, like I'm sure I'm yeah, sure it's Peter Molyneux what are they going to do I know but like, <laughs> well, that's like the same thing it was at uh, a GDC McHugh. a few years ago when Will yeah. Wright gave his talk and was just like and here's what we're working on Spore Do-do-do. I'm sure yeah. that there was someone from Electronic Arts in the audience just going what is happening right now what is this because that game clearly was not ready to be announced at that point and looked nothing like the game that shipped but yeah. sadly the, the, name yeah. of, the name of his talk was the future of content nothing to do with anything that's good but yeah it's like and the everything. opposite of his normal talks yeah whatever yeah <laughs> yep best yep good old Peter I still wanted to ask him about that thing in the manual, in the populist manual oh, that yeah. I was reading. <laughs> I randomly found a, a boxed populace in my house. They're like, whoa, populace. And then I flipped through the manual, and there's a nice picture of Bullfrog from when there were like six guys. And it had a little statement saying that Bullfrog's mission is to make the perfect video game. <laughs> <laughs> populace is not that game, but they will make it. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to ask him how far he's coming along that. That road. Yeah. <laughs> if they've already made that, done. Sorry, I, I, I failed you and I didn't ask that question. Sadly, I wasn't there. God, yeah. that would have been beautiful. That is just a question you want to ask Peter Molyneux too on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this feels like a question he'd be ripe to answer. I met a bunch of Lionhead guys during the show who all follow the Peter Molyneux too. 
Which I enjoyed. Peter Molyneux too. It's sometimes indistinguishable though from the original. I wouldn't. I mean, I imagine Peter Molyneux probably follows Peter Molyneux yeah, too. I bet. Might, yeah. Oh my goodness. Maybe it is Peter Molyneux. A game within a game. No, that'd be the best. Within a game. Inside of the game. Did he see <laughs> so good. Did you see when the real Peter Molyneux on Twitter did a day in the life of? himself right at the beginning right yeah when he's like eating a cookie <laughs> like, just horrendous, but then he's like did it just the worst pr ever and <laughs> must have been shut down at some point i don't know but you know classic him basically i'm working on this game that we haven't announced <laughs> <laughs> he's cool he's a nice guy also really tall <laughs> hmm. what how tall how how tall would you say Peter oh, Molyneux is? Eight feet nine. <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty gigantic. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's big. That's really big. He and uh, Phil Harrison from Sony could have a tall off. Will Wright's pretty tall. Not as tall. Well, he looks guys. pretty tall. I don't know. Looks like he's so lanky. I yeah, think. he's lanky. lanky. Will, Will Wright's Harrison. actually three foot six. <laughs> Who are other tall game developers? Let's talk about this for a while. <laughs> Hmm. Was it in the Sweet Convo Bros? <laughs> but was it that had chaps Reggie about Will Wright hacking into hotels and stuff like that? Was that in uh, what? Was it Masters of Doom that had a chapter about Will Wright building remember. robots for Robot Wars? And or was that just a talk I went to? He was like, I remember Will Wright talking about how he entered Robot Wars once or many times with his son and his wife and stuff, and they made a robot that was entirely composed of magnets and. Uh, duct tape so that when it go up to the robots just fucking leap onto it <laughs> and then inside were like blades that quickly stab it in quick succession apparently just... magnets and duct tape are now banned from robots <laughs> because of his weird magnetic <laughs> shank <Well, laughs> right <laughs> that guy is awesome I'm pretty sure that was in one of those books that we reviewed <laughs> that was a good website. I read that once. Anything else going on at Video Game Developers Conference? I mean, you guys want to talk about it, and I have a very different opinion about it than you guys, but um, Button, didn't, we didn't really get into it last time. Yeah, oh my god, we, we didn't enjoy about Button? Button? No, we talked I about it. I saw nope. an experienced Button at the wrong time for me. Personally. <laughs> <laughs> it was just not, you know... It's like if you have a ham sandwich during a traumatic moment, you don't want a ham sandwich for a long time. It was like that. What led the... What? what? Have you had a bad time pressing buttons recently? You want to talk about it? No, 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 no. (laughs) I I mean, that game looked... Was your mother a button? (laughs) A dead button. Whoa. Whoa. She's alive. alive. (laughs) She is a button. button. (laughs) And also a button. Well, she's a B-U-T-T-O-N, if you want to say. So let's not talk about Button, then. No, your mom's going to listen to this horse bag. <laughs> yeah. Did anyone play any other indie games? Because I just played... Oh, well, I mean, we, we've talked about, we talked about it a couple of days ago, but I got around to playing um, Bastion, and that would echo... I played that. I'd echo everything Chris cool. said. Oh, man. I really I didn't a... hear what Chris said, but we can... Just oh, it's on the internet. If you just download the cast from a couple of days ago. <laughs> <laughs> just play it now. Well, um, yeah, that game, I, I mean... Cast I was so... Cast. It cast. was great. I mean, they had really nice headphones, Within which is a, a funny thing to say, but, like, the headphones... Made my experience. The sound in that game is so 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 good. Yeah, it's really and the nice. composer is standing right there, and he's you know a friend of Greg's or a friend of one of the guys. Um, it's great. They're all just friends. Like he's like, oh, I know a guy, and like the guy who does the voice, who does the narrator, it's just like some guy from college. Cool yeah, 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 it's wonderful. 
But um, I told him, I'm like, I want to buy the soundtrack. God, the soundtrack is so good. Did they say it's how long the experience of that whole game is? No, I felt like a jerk asking because it felt like such like a. <laughs> how many levels are in your game? Exactly. You know, well, I don't know how many upgradable weapons do I have? <laughs> yeah, yeah that narration that it what's has. What's the level right. cap? That could get really fucking annoying. It does such a good job in the demo of not being. Yeah, I agree. Being I a really it was great. Of just then... accenting your experience and not repeating itself. What was great for me, it was the most subtle thing from a direction standpoint, is the narration's going and telling the story of the game that you're playing, which is really fascinating and not obtrusive. And then you meet a person in the world for the first time after like, you know, 15 minutes. And it's the guy who's been narrating the game. I mean, you guys played it, but his yeah, voice nice. has a subtle shift when he goes from, I'm narrating your game to, hey guy. And yeah. like, it's, 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 exactly, it was so, it's exactly it's like, like in the Big Lebowski. Yeah, it's like, exactly. It's like yeah, the it's character in the Big Lebowski. Uh, yeah. What's his nose? Yeah. In the Big Lebowski. Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. Yeah. Always Mustache. Almost, I almost call him Sam Houston every time. <laughs> The guy who fought him, Santa Anna. <laughs> I always almost call 18, him Sam O'Neill, the guy from Jurassic Park. That's Sam Neill. Sam Neill, sorry. Sam O'Neill. <laughs> Sam O'Neill might also be a guy. He's probably a guy. Doctor. Sean O'Vanneman. That's actually correct. Um, but no, I really, really, really loved Bastion. Um, I liked all the parts of it. I mean, yeah, I'm really fun. excited for that game. I like the narration game. kind of filled in bits mm -hmm. where it, it's like, why is this world kind of coming together as I walk on it? And it was like, the world was inexplicably <laughs> thing. He didn't, he didn't seem to care. Yeah. <laughs> Just carried on. <laughs> so that was really good. Yeah. Oh, the narrator comments on the fact yeah. that the world is building It's just itself. like kids running along. world seems to be falling into place or whatever. The kid doesn't kid care. Doesn't, care. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't seem to notice. Yeah, That's that good. was good. De deflate the weirdness of the world. Yeah. Like, well, okay, fine. I guess if he doesn't care, well, it's funny, I don't care. <laughs> it's, just, it's funny the ex like changing expectations players have uh, with that stuff you know because when, when, when everyone played Mario a bajillion years ago like the original Mario it's like you'd never it would never ever ever occur to anybody to stop and be like why does why is this all completely insane like you know why is, <laughs> why is there a bullet with a beefy fist <laughs> yeah. flying at you what? why am I oh. why am I going down like a toilet drainage head, and I'm ending up in a suit like a a dungeon like what why is any of this like why do I eat a flower and then I shoot fireballs like none of this makes any sense and so I really liked it in Bastion it's just like that, and they reinforce the fact that it doesn't fucking matter why. It's like, well, you didn't give a shit about it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Uh, a thing that was at the IGF that we could maybe talk about for a second is Amnesia, if anyone has anything to say. I, don't, I mean, that oh, game's we, been, Yeah, we never really talked about it. We've never talked about we? that game. Is that that horror game? Yeah, it's really That's good. That's that horror that game. That horror company. game. No, but uh, yeah, I totally missed things about did this, you, but everyone says it's the like, scariest thing. It's, uh, it's awesome. Was a huge did we really never talk? I don't think we ever I don't think we ever No, that game didn't come out before we were done. It's really cool. There's It's by the guys who made the the Penumbra games. And this is... So they made, I don't know, two or three, I guess, if you count the expansion thing... Of Penumbra, and it's good that they started over with, uh, with they sort of started over a new franchise with Amnesia because it allowed them to take all the stuff they learned from doing Penumbra, but just kind of do a nice clean break and be like, this is this is the culmination of all these really cool horror game mechanics and and aesthetics that that we've been polishing, and it's scary as shit. <laughs> it's a terrifying game. Like How, you have no, why is it? Because oh. you have no because you have no weapon, like you really have no way to fight back against this roving enemy who just patrols the world. Uh, it's not like a scripted guy who pops in at specific moments. He's he's walking around 
you can't do shit about it. And there are a number of really interesting mechanics that all coalesce to create something really, really terrifying with the way you interact with this enemy, which is that you have a your sanity erodes over time, or essentially the the longer you're 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 not maintaining a sane state, the sooner you will just collapse on the ground in a sort of gibbering mess. Um, and so like that is the, a thing that was in uh, Eternal Darkness and things like, yeah, yeah, things right. like that. But at this game. Yeah. It's nice this because more clever the, the rest of the systems actually support that. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. So like, when you're if you're if you're in the light, you're fine. Um, your your sanity is stable. Um, but if you're in the darkness, it's not. And the longer you stay in the darkness, the more your sanity starts to erode, and you start to hear these little like clicking sounds almost. Like it's a really like weird bugs indefinable. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it sounds like bugs. It sounds like, like a millipede in your ear. Yeah. For a long time, I didn't know what it was, and I thought that there was something wrong. Or like that, there was it was creepy, and I'm like, what the fuck is that? Like, is that my footsteps? Like, what? This is gross. Ew. And then I realized it's it was just you're like losing your grip on reality. So basically. it's good that it confused you and made you exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's. Did you play that was, game by yourself? Yeah, I did. And uh, wow. So <laughs> Chris Remo, giant balls, just giant, just yeah, but, yeah, massive. Me, me and Sean and our housemate Adam played yeah. that game together, and we, we were all like, sat in the It was like when when Scooby Doo jumps into Shaggy's arms. <laughs> I literally I did can that. picture that. I was you in into Adam's Adam. arms. In oh. his, Giant arms just being held, terrified. Yeah, and so, <laughs> so when you're in the dark, your your sanity erodes, and then also, when you're looking, if, if so, if this crazy roving enemy like comes into view, uh, if you're looking at him, your sanity erodes faster as well, and so, but also, if you're looking at him, it makes it easier for him to see to like detect oh, where to you find are. You. So <laughs> what this means, like the combination of all these things. Means that oh, also it's the, harder for him to see you in the dark if right, you're in shadow. Exactly. If you're in light, it's easier oh, for him to see you. Yes, right. right. So the exactly right. So that's important too. So the combination of all of these things means the absolute best way. If if he's in the same room as you and he doesn't know where you are yet, the best way to keep him from finding you is to find a dark corner and sit in it and look at the wall. <laughs> so but then, just, but then on top of that, the sound design in this game is fantastic. You so you hear him, you behind hear him sort of creep exactly. past you, you in you stereo. Can't look at him oh, because it'll clip him off to where you are. And you know he's behind you. Exactly. And you're staring at the wall. <laughs> it just, and the, and the, it creates this the, fucked up Blair Witch like madness, but it's doing it entirely within the game system. We got we got to Sean and Adam and I got to a point in the game where there was an enemy that was invisible, but there was like an inch and a half of water on the floor, so you just saw the splashing footsteps. Uh, oh, and a note came up on screen saying, "Don't go in the water." And then Sean, <laughs> Sean like jumped up on a sort of physics-based crate and then fell into the water. And the footsteps like, we're just we're, no, just completely ruined. We respawned and tried it again, and it was just you know. Then that we had to do the thing where you crouch and look at the darkest thing and hide, but then you just hear the and the guy sort of. Wandered around behind us, and you just hear it. I'm like, no, this is all oh, the oh, You knew he was like right behind you. Oh, you just hear him there, and then I fell off the crane. <laughs> he killed me instantly. The grenade rolled down the hill, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Did you hear Ben's story about that game? No. So Ben, uh, Ben Andak, another thumbs guy, who's uh, playing. He lives in um, Taiwan, and everyone goes to sleep at lunch and has a nap and turns all the lights off. So he really? was like, I will play this game. And lunch break. And he was playing that and then woke everyone up by screaming. <laughs> <laughs> you can find amazing videos on YouTube of people taping other people playing that game and just completely losing their shit. It's the best. That's the best. Uh, I think Spaff needs to run away now, so maybe we'll take a, break. take a break. Break. Video game. So you're saying Mario's not in a video game? 
He's not a video game enough for the idle thumbs. He is a video game. Mario is not a video game. This is true. They should... You know what? Mm, calling it. They're going to put out a, like... A reboot? A reboot that is just Mario. Mario. <laughs> the new Dark Direction. Link. Samus. They're going to do it, uh, three of them just in a row. Re-energize it. Man, they... Well, they no, just, the Samus one will just I be called Metroid. And so she'll bad. finally be renamed Metroid. <laughs> I heard the other M was... Video games. Oh man, now it is out of Oh We're man, back. I totally oh, man. I played Super Meat Boy a lot today. Let's yeah, talk about, you did. I mean, we've uh, never talked about that. We've talked about it a lot. <laughs> did we? we didn't talk about it much. Really? That game didn't Think come out when we were out. making the podcast. Oh. We've talked about it amongst Super ourselves. Super Meat Boy. <laughs> I played that game a ton. Oh man. I you know what what's funny is when you were playing it in the office that first time, I came by and I was like, Ugh, that's no, not for you me. You came by when I was playing it at home. That's what I mean, in the office. Our oh, home yeah. office. I thought you meant at work. No no no. Yeah, you came like, by and I was like, that's not for me. And I was like, What? I think you'll like this game and you were and then we got in a fight <laughs> and you went into you went to your room and it was it ruined my night. <laughs> and now you're playing it like this is good. What happened is um the Hilarious. composer for the music, um oh man, I'm an asshole. I would love to be able to say his name right now and people can go. <laughs> Internet. Glenn, world. look on the Google. Who composed the music for Wait, Super Meat Boy? Get, get back here. No, he's no, he's got it right there. All right, keep talking. But no, we were. Um, I was talking. It was right after I played Bastion. He came over and um, was talking about Telltale, and then I, oh, he goes, oh, I composed the music for Super Meat Boy, and I had to lie to him. Oh, I'm you like, mean Danny? Oh, yeah, Danny. Danny. I'm like, oh, we're big fans. I mean, you're a big fan, but I had to say we. Danny Baranowski. Dan, he's great. Really nice guy. But um, he produced from his backpack a couple really nice. Uh, Special special edition soundtracks that kind of riff on the Pink Floyd thing in the front, but um, and he gave me one. I listened to it. And I thought it was great. So then I downloaded the demo and realized that I was wrong, so wrong. And I've been playing that game on and off all day. Also, the um, to to connect to GDC a bit. They I missed this talk unfortunately, but the the Meat Boy the Team Meat guys gave a a talk during the Indie Summit this year, and apparently Edmund Edmund look, Edmund McMillan, who was one of the two. Uh, guys who made the game, along with Tommy Repinez, um was, by the time this game was done, was in, like, a deep state of crazy, like, diabetic clinical depression, uh, where he was just sleeping, like, two hours at a time, and then working for ten hours, and was basically, like, almost killed himself making this game, uh, crazily, uh, and then it came out, and, you know, obviously it was a huge success, and... But he, he was basically like, you know, if we, even if we knew this game was going to be this success, as successful as it ended up being, um, and we knew, like, what the whole process was going to be, if I had to go back, I would not have done that. Because it just fucking destroyed him so utterly. Which is crazy to me. Because the, these guys did such a good job, I thought, during, during the, the development process and leading up to it, of being really... Like engaging like, with yeah, all the, fans the image and, they like, put out was just like did yeah. indie rad hilarious yeah. stuff everything yeah. everyone's having fun making this meat boy took yeah. our photo at Sears in our sweater vests <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the best image yeah. oh god <laughs> so yeah that, that was a weird thing um, they made a, they made a, a game that is good yeah I mean I don't know like it's just it's that time of year I'm sure it happens to everybody here but like you playing Super Meat Boy and playing you know Greg and those guys playing Bastion and. You're like, gosh, it just kind of like, it plants that seed, you know. Dream game, it's in my brain. And then you're like, oh no, I'm going to go back to my job and make a real game. Yeah. It's going to be sweet, but yeah. 
Oh. Yeah, GDC is the board. GDC of just lights, you lights the just, fire in your yeah, brain. And just it really does. The magic and majesty of games. Yeah. yeah, it absolutely does. It is amazing what those guys sacrifice though to make the, to make all yeah. of their stuff. That's terrifying. Too. Yeah, like the Bastion guys were like, "Oh, do you have an yeah. office? Uh, we have a room in the house that we all live in." Yeah, like <laughs> sweet. Yeah, yeah, you know, and like you know, it's, you build a meager savings account and then just pull the Scrooge McDuck lever on it and all the money goes away. <laughs> yeah, you, you, pull the Scrooge, you pull the Scrooge McDuck lever and then five seconds later all of the coins is depleted. Empty. It's just like, uh, oh, or is that well, like, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. it's, I don't, gosh, that's so terrifying to me to be like, well, this is my, sh-. and like, Greg actually said it really well, like, this is Greg Kasabin, Kasabin by the way. sorry. Who Sean calls Greg all the time. Oh, we, he's a friend. He's a nice guy. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm being too, uh, conversation. Bob. <laughs> Oh man, Bob, you saw Bob this week? Yeah, Weinstein. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, but, um, Greg Kasavin, Greg Kasavin and I were chatting. Editor of GameSpot and uh, you know, he said, you know, who knows how this game will do, but no matter how it does, I will always have it. Like yeah, I'm no, proud that's, of it. That's you know, totally like, true, yeah. it's I did it and if this game sells nothing and we all have to go find jobs after this, then that stinks, but I'll nothing They got Bastion out of the deal. Yeah, yeah. nobody like, will take this well, out. No, this does this won't it, this won't cease to exist. Well, so there was a really, a really, really good point that was made by by Andy Schatz, who who uh, is making Monaco. Who I mean, that game looks. I don't know if you guys have played it, but it's it's rad. I saw um, it at IGF last year, but yeah, it was cool. Um, it's a it's a top down four player cooperative heist game, um, and it's really nice. And he made it after he his company Pocket Watch Games. He made these these really interesting like wildlife simulations. Because um, he he's really into he's really into environmental issues and um, you know protecting species and things like that and he was making these games and he was making his third one which was uh, which was about dinosaurs and like he's like oh man this is gonna be crazy a game about dinosaurs like people haven't done this right yet like this is gonna be awesome but it just wasn't working like it just was not working at all and he just was he he just couldn't make it fun he, for some reason he just couldn't find like the spark there and he was just going into this deep state of depression you know like. A lot of these happens with a lot of these guys who just don't know entirely what's next because they're not in the security of a, a large firm. Um, and he's like, oh, I'm just going to make some other thing. So he went and he just started making this game, Monaco, that he'd been had in his brain for like nine years. Um, and a matter of days later, he had a playable prototype going. And then he just he just cranked on it. And he entered it in the IGF after five weeks of development and then won the entire IGF that year. Uh, by the time he won the IGF, the game had only had 12 weeks of development on it. And he entered it after five weeks, um, and you know it's it's now been more than a year later, and he's he's still working on it. But he, you know, he's going to finish it. Obviously, like it's he's done so much that it's clearly going to get there. But he made a really good point, which is that you know, regardless of how this game does, this is similar to what to what Greg was saying. But Greg Savin, Games Greg Savin, Games you know, for the readers, exactly. Regardless of how this game does, if it does, if it does well, and he makes a bunch of money, great. He gets a bunch of money and he gets sort of the recognition for having made this game. If it does poorly and he doesn't make a bunch of money, he still always has that recognition, which makes it more likely that he'll be get sort of given another chance right. to do something cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I thought was a really a really important point to make um, because if if you're going out and just doing something just cynically just be, just to make make a bunch of money and that's it, if it fails, you don't really have anything. You know, you might mm-hmm. if if it does succeed, fine, you might make a bunch of money. If it doesn't, you're kind of left with nothing. But if you make something that really clearly at least speaks to you, it's probably going to speak to some number of other people. And even if it doesn't do well, you will be left with the recognition that, oh, man, this guy went out and like tried to, tried to do something really cool. And I think that, that 
is one of the reasons guys like Tim Schaefer, who has, you know, he, he hasn't made like a ton of really huge, successful, like light the industry on fire games, but he's really well regarded for obvious reasons. I mean, his games aren't huge failures or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that he's out there making games that are unique and cool and respected for various reasons, it means, you know, he and Double Fine, they get to keep trying again. Um, yeah. Whereas some company that's just out there just like pumping out whatever crap that just doesn't end up making it, eventually it's just going to kind of go away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was a really valuable point and very, very well said. So Andy Schatz, that guy's cool. And Monaco, hopefully, oh, Andy. hopefully it is successful. You mean Andy. I mean Andy, sorry. A. It's like, oh, didn't get the D out. Um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's just funny because to think about how well, you're gonna. I'm gonna make my game have this one sort of chance, you know. Like, well, I have this much in the savings, and you know, my programmers get this much in the savings. We're just gonna we're gonna run at it, you know. And you kind of have to pick your pony, you because yeah. you have all these ideas, yeah. you know. And like picking the one that you know that's gonna you're gonna be able to get at least to the finish line is a terrifying proposition for me. And like, I wrote a blog post about it like two years ago, and I was trying to write something, and it was I was trying to write something about a personal thing. Like, I was working on a personal project, and I wrote about like sort of the crippling how crippling it is to make that initial choice of like, okay, I'm sitting, I'm, I'm going to spend the next four months. And that's not even that, you know, that's a chunk of a game development time. I'm going to spend the next four months making this thing. And I'm not going to get those four months back. So I have to pick the thing right. that I believe in the most. And then you quickly realize like, there's no metric for picking what you believe in the most. You right. just have to kind of be yeah. like, just gotta go, go, nah, go into yeah. a room and point at something. And hopefully that's it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just like, can't, like it's a very cool thing that all those guys do. It really is. Yeah, you know. take some balls, big ones. Not as big as Chris's though. He played Amnesia by himself. Yeah. Chris is actually forty-two percent ball. It's kind of, kind of a little uncomfortable, but <laughs> <laughs> but I can play Amnesia by myself, which is cool. Yeah, so that works out. I thought it was just you role playing as Chris. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything else to talk about? GDC complete. <laughs> Achievement unlocked. I was going to bring up the Brian Moriarty talk about yeah. Ebert. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, we can talk about that. You and Sean can punch each other? No, I don't know. <laughs> Are I don't you, know. you GC that's all? No. no. I'm just, I just want to get Sean involved as, a, as an adversarial character in this narrative. <laughs> I disagree. Yes. Oh, Go on. <laughs> Regale us. Yeah, I mean, that was near, pretty near the end of the show, wasn't it? Because I think I actually agree with Brian Moriarty on this one. The Loom is a good game. Oh man, Loom is the best game. Let's I love Loom. Loom. Yeah. I so, mean, I pitched Loom as a game design for a Jonas Brothers game, like my last really like, my last month at Disney. Oh man, I wanted to do. Speaking like, of what you did at Disney, I was. What was I doing? <laughs> yeah, we can talk about that. I guess. Yeah, do it. What? <laughs> so when I was yeah, I don't know. Whoa, ultimate seg. Well, we'll <laughs> talk about how Loom. Um, so I was a creative development producer at Disney, which is basically like. Hey, um, we have this license, we have this property, we have the Jonas Brothers, we really need a DS game for this. What should we make? And that was my job, which is kind of a cool job when you think about it, but you're also making a Jonas Brothers game. So, what I wanted to do was Ape Loom, that the Jonas Brothers could learn to like be, like, they could do all the things they went to high school to do. Um, you know, like they had to like meet like girls chemistry, and like, oh. do, yeah, they had to like meet girls and like do their homework and like do their chores, but they did that through, like, learning spells on their guitar. So, like, if you learned, if you had to, like, cut the lawn, like, mow the lawn, like, cut the grass, you learned cut, and then you could learn, you could use cut everywhere in the game with, like, 
you know, very, people, very like, like limb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could slice up, you could shank a guy. Um, but no, you could go to the prom and like cut a rug. Or you could like, oh, what? Man. And then if you did it in reverse, Classic. you could grow something. So you could like grow your hair. You right. grow, I wanted to have to grow some balls <laughs> when you had to like ask a girl out. But that was the whole, it was like... You just cut on your balls. Cut Don't your balls select off. it the wrong direction. <laughs> this game surely was not approved because the Jonas Brothers' balls were a hot spot. <laughs> they were a selectable region. <laughs> I see here... Mm, yes, we have some notes about being able to click on the oldest Jonas Brothers' balls. Yeah. It, it, appear, it appears... Yeah, I know they're not the size that. of Chris Remos, but what do you want? You want them bigger? What do you want? Um... It was just it was balls a, are a theme. Anyway, yeah, they were sprites though, so we could just swap them out. It wasn't too tough. Too tough. You swap them out with robots for the German localization. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that was my job uh, at Disney. Um, what do you want to talk about, Chris? Well, I mean, I don't know. Got any interesting stories about what you got up to at Disney? Uh, I got really drunk at the company Christmas party my last year there. Just hammered. Just trashed. No, I mean, it's a hard seg. So what Chris, what Chris wants me to talk about <laughs> is, um, so I got my start in the game industry. Uh, I was a student at USC. Man, sorry, this is sounding like your Caddyshack, Bill Murray. In a... Uh, get up with the lamb. <laughs> Why would you do so, this? He was going to tell the fucking story. <laughs> um, so no, what, what, is, what is Bill Murray saying, Caddyshack? So, uh, give me the first team. Who do they give me? <laughs> the daddy Lenny himself. Bald. <laughs> Long robes. Um, Just anyway, skip to the end. The Grease. Gunga Galunga? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gunga Galunga, Chris. Okay, thanks, John. Gunga Galunga. Thank you. What was I talking about? You're talking about being at Disney. Disneyland? You were talking about Mickey Mouse. This is okay. the worst podcast. So, no. Um, I got started at, Di at Disney when I was, um, I was a student at USC and uh, needed a summer job, and I was a film, I don't think I was a film, it doesn't matter. I was studying something, I think I was probably undeclared. Um, and I like applied for an internship at Disney Interactive Studios, um, making video games. Um, it was a creative development internship, and I had no idea what it was, and I was unemployed at the time, and my parents had cut me off. So the same day I applied to work at Disney, I also applied to work at like the Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> it was a pretty, pretty awesome day in my life. <laughs> so my pickup truck, sad. Um, on the next day, I went to see Harry Potter 3 by myself on my birthday. <laughs> so it was really good. <laughs> I had no friends in LA at the time. And it was the summer. Anyway, so I get this job, and one of the first things they ask us to do um, is I worked for this great guy. His name's Chris Takami. Um, he's a, he was a creative development, creative development director there. And it was before, like I kind of mentioned it the other day, like about the indie game scene, how like working at uh, a publisher like mid-sized developers would bring in their pitch for a game and a lot of it was art and like there was sometimes a vertical slice that they put together but it was really just kind of like art and a pitch and that was really like what my job entailed it was like seeing these things and then doing them internally as well um and disney had been trying to crack a couple like larger concepts so they created this intern program of like i think there was like six of us um where they said hey like work with this guy um, who was a designer and sort of a creative director and put together a pitch for a game that you would play because we have no idea how to, what, how to tackle this property. And the property at the time is Mickey. Um, and that was 
Was that Mickey Mouse? <laughs> Mickey Mouse, sorry. Okay. I don't mean to, okay. for the readers at home, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, we got to work uh, making a video game that would ultimately become Epic Mickey, um, which was like eight years ago. It was uh, me and a few guys sat in a room all summer, and um, we were getting paid, which was cool, but there was no sort of like avenue for us to pitch anything, and we were working on this game about... Um, we'd all kind of been through orientation and learned about this character. Um, we kind of learned the history of, of the company and like Walt had created this character, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, um, and then lost Walt's, the rights to Walt, Walt Disney. 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 Sorry. <laughs> Walt Kasavin. Walt Kasavin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he created this character, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, and uh, we always thought the character was really cool, but he had lost the rights to it to Universal. Um, so he like changed the ears on him and turned him into Mickey Mouse. And that's how Mickey was invented. So we're like, oh, well, that's the game. The game is like this pissed off rabbit. <laughs> or like the idea of this a character. Marginalized yeah, character, yeah, a character going away for 80 years and just like watching like essentially a carbon copy of himself become like the most prolific 2D character of all time. Like there, and like I'm trying to think what year it was. It was. It was right around when we were invading Iraq. <laughs> so like 2002? Yeah, 2003, yeah. And I remember like seeing a kid in like Baghdad and a Mickey Mouse t-shirt. And that was like, and I was working on Mickey at the time. Right. I was like, yeah, Jesus, yeah. like you just kind of like, there's no corner of the planet. Right. You know, like it doesn't. So it's like that all kind of fed into the fact about this little pissed off rabbit. Um, and sort of how powerful of a, of a, character icon, that could be yeah. like there's no other character that's like just like bowser hasn't literally been sitting on the shelf for 80 years you know right, like, right. there's been no no character that just been yeah. like in a time capsule and we put together some art and uh we were thought it was really cool and we would like lock, close the door and had this little clubhouse atmosphere and then like the vp of human resources came in <laughs> and i was like what are you guys working on in here you guys are getting paid right and we're like yeah <laughs> and like and i stood up i was like and showed him the thing and like two days later, we were pitching it to the president of Disney Interactive Studios at the time. It was Buena Vista Games at the time. And um, yeah, I never left working at Disney. And we pitched it all summer. And then they brought in like Bob Iger, who is the CEO of the Walt Disney Company, and like let us pitch it. And I had to like skip a history final at USC to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, we built a prototype. And we worked on the game for like two years. And then. Um, uh, it had nowhere to go. Um, they didn't. We had a developer lined up, and it fell through. And then the game was kind of like rolling around, rolling around, rolling around. The whole management structure at Disney changed, and they were like, "We're getting this game made." And then uh, enter stage left, Warren Spector, and then you have Epic Mickey shortly thereafter. But I love that you secretly fucking invented Epic Mickey. <laughs> the That's... weird thing is that um, the summer after, I just we just pitched it to Bob Iger, um, and. Uh, it was my I had the best boss on the planet. This guy was just like to put. I was twenty to put like a twenty year old kid in front of the CEO of the Walt Disney Company and be like, "Hey, pitch this thing." Like, who does that? Like, who doesn't just be like, "Go to your go to your room, kid." <laughs> <laughs> like, stuff you back in there, take a cigar out, and go like get a promotion. You know, <laughs> like who the fuck does that? So he just, I mean, what a mess. It would have been nice if he had taken a cigar out, no matter what, though. And yeah, going, hey. <laughs> it's like, why well, you can't smoke in here, man? Like, this is California. Um... And uh, so I, like, we had, I remember I, we uh, pitched the game, and I sat down. There was a room of, like, seven people, and it was, like, Bob Iger and, like, his, like, guy, 
and then uh, this other guy. Well, he, he's like a guy you don't know. He doesn't just like enter. He says his name. He's like Steve. Right. Oh, never guy. says his yeah. name. This is guy. And uh, the head of Disney Interactive. Steve Cassidy, uh, we'll call him. Yeah, that's, that's French. That's, um, Steve Gaynor actually was this guy. <laughs> a bespeckled. Yeah, 22 year old Steve Gaynor. Bespectacled. Bespectacled. No, he was spotted. <laughs> anyway. The rare spotted Gaynor. Uh, so uh, I remember he, we pitched the game, and Bob Iger was like, So this Oswald, like, do we own him? He's ours, right? We own him, right? And he was like, <laughs> <laughs> mm, actually, no. We I don't think the company owns him. We think Universal owns him because we had the Disney, like the interactive lawyers, like looking into it. He's like, huh? All right. Well, I really like this. This is great. This is really awesome. This is really fantastic. Really great. And then just like left, and that was the end of it. <laughs> I was like, okay. So like three weeks later, I was at home reading ESPN.com, and I was like scrolling through, and I actually have a screen cap of it. Yeah, um, on my I laptop, remember that. So. I remember that article because I yeah. wrote about it for Gama Sutra. And it was like. Uh, Walt Disney Company trades Al Michaels for a rabbit. <laughs> and I instantly knew what it was. And I was like, what? So Al Michaels went to NBC Universal to do like Football Night in America and they got the right styles on the Lucky Rabbit. Yeah. And I Funniest called my boss shit. and he was in Vegas at the time, I remember. He was a Friday night. I was at home reading about animated characters on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. So then there was this whole movement around Oswald, and they brought Oswald back to the company and put out all this like all this merchandise, and um, like Bob Iger came to the studio like about like six months later and said, "Okay, guys, I got you, Oswald. Like, make the game. Like, why aren't you guys making the game? Like, make the game. <laughs> like, I, where's the game? <laughs> exactly. Like, can I play the game? No. And at that time, I was they'd hired me full time, and I was working on other stuff, um, but." Uh, yeah, that was the crazy thing. And then, like, you were down in at like Disneyland, what, like a month ago? Not even. Yeah, it was like, like Oswald. They're, they're rebuilding a huge chunk of California Adventure, which is one of the Disneyland theme parks, as this 1930s Hollywood Hollywood thing. And all on all of the walls is a picture of Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, like with his hammer and nails. Like we're rebuilding Disneyland. Like what? <laughs> so, yeah. That's weird. Yeah. It's just weird when I see like a guy in an Oswald T-shirt and yeah. be like, yeah, you know. I like got in a car wreck. That was me. Like eight years ago, I wouldn't be on that guy. It's kind of weird. Or thing. would it? Didn't you also sketch the logo or something? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So the logo, the dripping ink. This Mickey is why logo. you're called Famous Vanaman, by the way. Yeah, let's just <laughs> let's just settle it now. It was on a. That's what you love. It was on a post-it um, that summer. It was like I was like dicking around, and I had no art skills, but I worked with two amazing artists. Um, three, a guy named uh, Justin Hunt, who I think is at DreamWorks. A guy named Sean Jimenez, and a guy named Jasper Membrano. And those guys are amazing. So check out their art. I don't know if they're selling any of it, but buy it if they are. <laughs> anyway, uh, like they were all amazing artists, and I had no skills, but I was like doing the GDD, and um, it's a game design document. Kasavin. Excuse me, Kasavin. <laughs> <laughs> GDD Kasavin. GDD Kasavin. Bastion. Um, and I like had a post-it, and I like did this really, and I it was like even with like, my left hand or something. I did this really horribly off-model Mickey like. <laughs> Like, I remember just like, like making a. You actually pooped. I actually onto shit the... under a post it and then squished it like a Rorschach test. And um, it, that's yeah. what it came out. But uh, no, I put that on there and I ended up scanning it in and that was what I put on every GDD. And then we went to PAX? Was it? It was, it was just, just fucking like, everywhere. Just immaculately just rendered everywhere. Ink, like it ink. clearly been rebuilt in Illustrator, but to this tiniest little thing. And I have the post-it like in a flat file, I think, in my room. Um, and uh, it blows my mind yeah. that you fucking were responsible for all this shit. <laughs> and it was like hilarious to me. I was in college. Like it was, 
But you didn't actually end up working on the like game itself, did you? No, that was all done in Austin. You were at Telltale by then, probably. Um, or yeah, they started it, and they started, and they were all in pre-production, and then I came to Telltale. Like, I needed, I knew I needed to make games like at a studio, at a developer. So you guys should stay tuned to the next exciting episode of Isle of Thumbs when we tell you how Phaedrus was almost in the Jurassic Park game. <laughs> Video game. So before we wrap this up, I want to let everyone know who's going to PAX East this weekend that there will be an Idle Thumbs meetup. Uh, Marvin from the forums has uh, reserved some spots for us at the City Bar in the Westin, which is right next to the convention center. So Friday at around 7.30 or so, folks are going to show up and can hang out and get drinks or uh, or whatever. So yeah, hopefully we'll see you there. Take a look on the Idle Thumbs forums for latest news and also amazing conversation about video games. And <laughs> with all sorts of other with, with people, all sorts on, of the people on the internet. Um, oh, one other thing that I'm going to mention, because I've never mentioned it because it didn't exist last time, is there is an official Idle Thumbs Minecraft server. Oh, yeah. Uh, so for those of you who play Minecraft and want to wander around a Minecraft server that is well-maintained with a pretty active community of like-minded thumbs, you should visit minecraft.idlethumbs.net or, if you hate typing, idlemc.com. It's maintained by our web, a web administrator, Doug, who is awesome, and a bunch of dudes in the forums. So play who Minecraft. Are awesome. Who are also awesome. Play Minecraft and go to the Penny Arcade Expo, even though they're sold out of passes. No, there's 250 left for Sunday. That's true. Depending so, on when this comes out. 250 of you could go to the Poker Night panel, hosted by me and Sean Vanneman, <laughs> Sunday afternoon. Jake is fucking... That's right, 3.30 p.m. 3.30 p.m. in some hall or another. That'll be a good panel. Also, I'm on some kind of panel about community management. Oh, yeah. Also, Chris will be spending all of PAX standing by a Big Daddy statue. <laughs> it's not a Big Daddy. Oh, right. Sorry, it's a new statue. Yeah. All new statue. Wooden robot daddy. A clockwork man. <laughs> with a human heart. There's also, heart. Um, let's say, I guess we're just lying in a It's actually not that a... either, but yeah, oh. that's fine. A statue of something. He'll be standing next to a statue of himself, which we have commissioned. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> oh, there's a kill screen panel at 4.30 on Friday, which is going to be uh, me and a guy from Posted Pixel and another guy talking about writing in games. So it should be great. Also, I'm on a community management panel, but I forget when it is. I think it might also be Sunday. <laughs> no, we already, you already said that. With the Big Daddy. I didn't say when it was, though. You're going to be you and a Big Oh, yeah, daddy. me and a Big Daddy on a panel. It's going to be cool. <laughs> About you, community management. Yeah. Ken Levine in a Big Daddy suit. Yeah. Steve Gaynor dressed up as little sister. Confirmed? Yeah, confirmed. Confirmed. You heard it here first. Anyway, right, guys. GDC was good. Yeah, it was great. It was an awesome GDC. Well done to uh, Megan Scavio, who runs GDC. She is the best. Thanks for listening. Games. Excuse me. Fuck off.